The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, some of you were here last week. Hi there. And some of you weren't. So this is part two of a talk that started last week. So we were talking um, a little bit about uh, how we have different parts to us that are constantly in play. And without um, repeating that whole talk, um, I'll just say a little bit that, that I was pointing out that we have both um, kind sides and, and aspects to us that are not so considerate. Um, we can be aggressive and at the same time we can be loving and kind and we can be hard-hearted and tender-hearted, petty and vindictive, forgiving and generous. So <clears throat> we were <clears throat> looking at all of that in the context of how we recognize what's actually going on for us at any given moment. And <clears throat> I had gotten to the place where we <clears throat> were talking about, uh, I said one of my teachers had pointed to the example of uh, the, the mythology to Ulysses, Ulysses' personal efforts to overcome the sirens. So these forces that um, pull us and and seduce us. Um, so, <clears throat> so in a similar way, we ourselves uh, have to endure to a greater or lesser degree similar challenges. And, um, <clears throat> and, and learn what our patterns of reactions are, what our mental habits are that just we default to time and time and time again. So they can be old patterns and habits of reactivities. Um, and when we, when we begin to recognize these things and when we encounter these things, then this becomes a way that we <clears throat> become freer. We, we go through our own um, trials and, and we pass into a place of greater clarity, maybe awakening. So <clears throat> we ended the talk last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Allergies have <laughs> have taken over here. <clears throat> By I was pointing out that we're all active participants in creating a nonviolent future, and um, simply by how we work with uh, our experience of being with the places that push and pull us and hook us. Um, we learn to to be more present, uh, kinder, more compassionate, wiser human beings. So <clears throat> I want to 
sort of begin by acknowledging that it really does take courage, it takes resolve, it takes determination, and it takes curiosity to stay open to the places in us that are the doorways to the rabbit holes that we go down time and time and time again. You all know what I mean by a rabbit hole? Yeah, everybody's gone down their own personal rabbit hole? Okay. So this is a place where we get hooked. And and, uh, it's so familiar, these places are so familiar that we we find ourselves being hooked time and time and time again. And, and sometimes we just sort of suffer the consequences of being hooked and don't question it because it's so familiar. We think that this is what, um, what it's like to, to just be us. So to meet that place, that place where we have the itch to we have an itch and an urge to scratch it and not to scratch is to uh, get some sense of confidence in our ability to be with things that challenge us. So there are three things that fuel our getting lost and hooked and defaulting to these old habits of reactivity. And I want to offer these to you as a way of when you recognize that you something has come up in you and you're being pulled in one direction or another, how you, if you can just step back and pause, how you might be able to deal with it a little bit more um, skillfully. So, <clears throat> so the first thing is <clears throat> when <clears throat> the story starts, when the narrative starts, <clears throat> don't engage it. Come back to just the place of feeling what you're feeling at any, at this particular moment. So <clears throat> I want to give you an example to make it a little bit clearer since we're starting off and I don't have the benefit of what I said in in the beginning here. And I know that some of you weren't here last week. Um, So if you're if you're meditating and suddenly a thought arises in your mind or emotion, an emotion arises. And before you know what's happened, there's a whole stream of thoughts that seem to follow. Sometimes there's a theme to them. Sometimes they're just random thoughts, but you are lost. You're just, you're going. Or it's the same with an emotion. Emotion comes up, an emotion comes up. It may trigger thoughts, or a thought may trigger emotions. But the whole thing is that 
at the moment of the arising of the thought or the emotion, this is the place <clears throat> that we can either catch ourselves or, or be swept away. Have you ever noticed this? Just think about it. You're meditating. You're trying to follow your breath. You're trying to do loving-kindness meditation. You're trying to stay focused on wishes of goodwill and so on and so forth. And then suddenly you're remembering something from when you were in high school and you're just lost, okay? It just... And, and it doesn't have to be judged as bad or wrong or whatever. This is just what happens, you see? And, and, but the point is to, to recognize that at that place where we spin off, we, we can choose to just notice what that's like, you see? Sometimes we start to spin off and it's too late to catch it at the point, but then we can notice it early enough that we can sort of course correct and come back. So if that place of spinning off is a rabbit hole and it's going to seduce us and carry us away because it's got either, it's got some sort of a powerful charge to it. It may have some negative aspect to it. It may be that you're feeling giddy and happy, but it knocks us off balance a little bit. Okay? So there's a story that can come up. There's a familiar narrative that can come up. You see? It could be that you're just going along with the thoughts, or the familiar narrative could be there I go again. I'm never going to get this. This is a hopeless situation for me. I bet everybody else in this room is floating off in some place of clarity and bliss, and I'm the only one dealing with this. I mean, these stories are just stories, you see? So there's a narrative or a story, and it always has, these narratives always has someone as the central figure, the central character, the star. Who is that? Huh? Say it loud. It's us. It's us. It's always us. And we're so interested. We're, we're so interesting. We just cannot, we just can't resist thinking about ourselves. So, so, when you recognize the narrative, the recommendation is don't engage it. Now, it's not going to be easy. I guarantee you'll be, well, I shouldn't say that. It's not easy for me. But you do have a choice. You can engage it or not. And, and it's so familiar to engage the story that that's the tendency, that's the momentum, that's what's pulling you, you see? So it's a little bit uncomfortable when you recognize, okay, here's the narrative. I'm not going to, I'm, this time I'm just not going to pay attention to it, you see? Because everything is 
all of our habit is pulling us towards it. So it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. So this place where we get lost, where we get hooked, generally is a place that's not very comfortable. You see? And, and because it's not very comfortable, we don't want to be there. We don't want to... It doesn't feel right. We want to go where things are. Even if they're uncomfortable, they're familiar. We don't want to be with a place that's uncomfortable and unfamiliar. Most of us don't. So I admit this requires our full compassionate attention to what it's like to feel being hooked by something. You see? We all get hooked several times a day, maybe more than several times a day. So that's the truth. And to allow ourselves to just be with what it's like to be hooked and not spin off into some story is really enlightening. It's a way of practicing mindfulness when you're not sitting down formally practicing mindfulness. You can do this in your daily life and you really do need to do this. So (coughs) it requires a full compassionate focus and um, to what it's like to being hooked and, and what follows to counteract it. So in this case, to recognize this is an act of self-compassion. Just to recognize, wow, here it is, I'm getting lost again, I'm, I'm gone. Just to recognize that is an act of kindness. So when people are, are given the instructions, be kind to yourself, in these situations, I want to emphasize that self-compassion isn't a way to avoid the uncomfortable aspect or the difficulty of whatever it is that's got us. It's not a, it's not a way to avoid that. It's a way to hold it and to heal it. You see? By not turning away from that which we're afraid of by simply meeting it without judgment, without story, just with full mindfulness. This is an act of kindness. And and compassion is that quality that allows us to hold the entire... John Kabat-Zinn, I think, has had a book called The Full Catastrophe Living or something like that. The whole catastrophe... To, to hold the opposites, you know. We're about to be hooked. We see we're about to be hooked. We don't want to be hooked, and yet we're being hooked. The whole thing, and not to turn away from it. This ability to meet this with self-compassion is clearly not to deny or avoid any part of it, but rather to meet it with friendliness and kindness and as a way of holding it. And that's very healing. You see? When we fight against something, how can we heal? See? 
when you're fighting against your own experience, you're, you're struggling, you're trying to keep your nose at the water line and just to you know, survive and so on. But if you can just relax and let things be the way they are, when we relax, let's put it this way, we begin to, to recognize that there's a kind of spaciousness around our experience that allows for a, a more skillful response. So, the story, the narrative, don't engage it, even if it feels edgy and uncomfortable, and just practice with it. See what it's like to do this. You can't do this all the time, but once in a while you can catch it and you can practice with it. And this is something that I practice with in my own life all the time, not just when I'm meditating on a cushion, but in my own life all the time. And it's, and it's not a one-off kind of a thing. You, you just practice it and practice it and practice it because it's part of being human is to be challenged by the, the ebb and flow of the energies that are just part of our experience. One moment we're completely present and the next moment we're off to the races and the next moment we're anxious and the next moment we're angry and the next moment we're and so on and so forth. So, so when <coughs> we're not doing the habitual thing, which is to just be sucked into whatever it is that has triggered us, it doesn't always feel good. You know, it's a way of like going on a fast or something. You're getting rid of the toxins in your body. It doesn't always feel good. So, so this is a place where people will oftentimes abandon the effort because it doesn't feel, why should I be with things that are uncomfortable? It doesn't feel good. So this, this <coughs> practice is to meet and recognize our habitual way of being with our experience and just meeting that in a friendly way but with a little bit more, um, I don't want to say self-control, but a little bit more understanding, a little bit more kindness, and with more boundaries. I, I'm not going to go there. I, I know that story, and I know where that story leads to, and this time I'm just not going to go there. You see, that can be a little bit edgy and feel a little bit uncomfortable, and it can feel like you're just sort of detoxing. So it takes time to get used to this, and we have to cultivate uh, the ability to practice kindness and patience in order to be with that place where we get lost, because it can feel raw in the moment, you see. So I think last week I... I said, there's a word for this place in Tibetan, and it's called Shempa. You know this word, Shempa? This place of, you know, it's like, this is where we, we go down the rabbit hole, where we get hooked. So it does. It takes time to get used to what it's like to be there, and then to, we need to practice patience 
with ourselves for to to be able to stay there and not to automatically turn away so so if we were talking about cultivating paramis or perfections we another parami here in addition to the parami of patience would be the parami of renunciation you see so right here in a situation where we're meeting something that's about to pull us one way or another and we are able to stay there we're cultivating this quality of patient patient endurance without patience we're we're lost because we just won't be with anything that we don't like so we're cultivating this beautiful quality of patience and we're we can also cultivate this quality of renunciation and in a situation like this it might mean because the rabbit hole might be a place that awakens some aversion in us and the renunciation at that moment instead of going with the trigger that's taking us down the rabbit hole and focusing on the story of it we turn our attention to the fact that aversion has awakened in us and we can renounce aversion you see so this is another thing when the story takes over we're caught in the external the the narrative about it and we're not actually with the the place that uncomfortable and edgy and raw but this is where the real problem is see so <clears throat> so bill and i might have a a disagreement about something not that we would ever have a disagreement bill <laughs> but let's say that we had a disagreement about something you see and then i could go off and say oh that bill is just i don't understand why he doesn't see things the way i see them what's the matter with that guy you see so so then then i i make bill the problem the problem is not bill the problem is the way that i deal with what has happened there this is the actual problem and and maybe when i think about bill i think damn it why is he always so argumentative why can't he see things the way they really are the way that i see them <laughs> you see <clears throat> all right but the real problem is and see that's that's the trigger that's not the not that that bill could be right and i could be wrong that that might be the case but the problem isn't bill or me the problem is this feeling inside me you see and so that's what we're learning to turn our attention towards that's the place of shimba that's the place of getting hooked and and right there that takes patience to see it and then you can practice renunciation you might not even know you're practicing renunciation but it's a good idea to to recognize that at a certain point but you could say okay 
in this moment, I renounce this aversive reaction, this familiar aversive reaction. You see, can you feel how liberating that would be? And then suddenly Bill is not a problem anymore because I've actually looked at my problem. Does that make sense? Do you follow that? So this is a simple way of thinking about it um, because what you can recognize is that that place, this raw place that, we talk, that we're talking about, this place where we get stuck, where we get hooked, there's a, it has a momentum to it. It has an undertow to it. Uh, it might be the urge to get even. It might be the urge to tell Bill, down, you know, you just don't know what you're talking about. You need to, you see. It might be self-righteous indignation, you know. It might be the rush that comes from being angry and like winning an argument and so on and so forth. That's what it might be. It, it could be something that you're craving that, that's pulling you towards something that will give you short-term gratification, like self-righteous indignation. That's a good example. That gives you short-term gratification, okay? But this keeps us stuck in the same repetitive cycles of behavior that we're doing over and over and over again when we give in to that. We're all going to give into it from time to time and maybe a lot. But all you have to do is like break it once or twice to get the feel, you see? And then when you mess up, this is not a big deal, you know? You've just messed up, that's it. So you learn from messing up. But you know what it's like to, to then recognize the freedom that comes from just not, not following that repetitive behavior pattern that you're used to. So, so <clears throat> you can, uh, when this happens, one of the recommendations that my teacher gave me was to pause and simply abide with the, en- with the energy of that moment. To just meet that moment with a pause. You're just, okay, this is what's happening. Here it is. This is the full, the full onslaught of it. And, and then we can see clearly that where we are and we can see how close we are to taking the bait or being hooked or that we, in other words, there's this space that gives us some choice, some ability to see what's going on before we're pulled in one direction or pulled in another direction. There's a kind of, I, I want to say it's a kind of witnessing quality, but that sounds too highfalutin. It's you just simply become aware of, of the different energies that are pulling you in one direction or another. And this requires that you pause and actually feel into it, the energy. <clears throat> because when we take the bait, when we get hooked, it literally has consequences. 
and those consequences are mostly unpleasant, especially if the if what's happening has a negative charge to it. You see? So <clears throat> so the real problem is not seeing the 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 process unfold within us time and time again. The real problem is that we're confused about what's happening. We're ignorant about what's happening. We don't even see that this is happening. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? I'm sorry. It does sound harsh. But that's what's happening. It's like this happens so fast and so often it's so familiar that we don't even see what's happening. Literally, we are touching our own, we're meeting our own ignorance and our own confusion. And that has no judgment to it. That's just, as, that's what's happening. This is a moment of confusion. You see, this is a moment where we fall off our perch, where we lose our balance, and we get lost. So, this ignorance, this confusion about what's hap- happening is the real problem. This is a cheerful talk, isn't it? It's all about <laughs> problems and raw feelings and, <laughs> and so on and so forth. So, but the good news is that gradually, you know, we have a natural intelligence. We all do. Everybody knows how to, to navigate these situations in their life, and, and they're not going to kill us. But we have a natural intelligence, and it will support our efforts to try to, to recognize these places and to abide in these places of restless energy um, and be fully present with our experience without just cycling through the same old things that we cycle through all the time. I like this. I can't bear being with that. Why does this always happen to me? This is the other person always gets the, the girl and blah, blah, blah. You know, what's, what's this all about? Comfort is good. Discomfort is bad. By all means, don't ever have a moment of discomfort. These are all things that, you know, we, we live our lives in this way. So these are all preferences and assumptions that we're making. And we can actually look at them. We can investigate them. We can see where they lead to, what, they, what their consequences are. And we can ask ourselves, you know, is it really true that I, I have to be comfortable 24-7? If I ever have a moment of discomfort, I should do whatever I can to distract myself or get away from it. You see? Even if you're not thinking that, just watch how you're uncomfortable and you look for ways to suddenly get comfortable. You see? There's co- it's completely normal. Why, why wouldn't you? You see? What I'm suggesting is something really radical. It's look at that quality of discomfort and see where it leads to and see that you can be with it and handle it in ways that you might have thought were not possible otherwise. So 
this is really a transformative practice. And, um, and this sort of transformative practice is specifically one of remaining open and receptive to your own energy when you are triggered. See, when you are triggered. So <clears throat> I don't know if this had happened yet or if it happened last week, but I, I, <clears throat> I'm teaching a course to a group of physicians. And um, did I give you this example last week? Yeah. And <clears throat> so for the people who, who weren't here, um, one of the doctors said that they were in an emergency room situation and everybody, the doctors, the team was agitated, he was agitated, the family of the patient was agitated, the patient went unconscious and had to be intubated, and everybody was in a state of emotional contagion. You see? So that's clearly what I'm talking about. This, so they were in a state of, of emotional upset. And, and he was saying, what good does it do to know that I'm in distress because I'm in distress? You see? Well, in that moment, yes, you are in distress. And to think that you can stop being in distress in that moment by practicing something like this is not realistic. You can't wait until you're on your deathbed to begin to train the mind. You see, it's too late then. You have to practice when you can. And so this quality of recognizing what it's like to be present in the moment can be learned gradually with patience and renunciation, the renunciation of just, you know, being washed away time and time again, so that the doctor can eventually still do his job like the best doctor on the planet without losing himself. But it's a gradual process. It's a process of, that requires kindness and compassion and it requires wisdom to see what's happening. And then there's a different quality, there's a different feelings. Then there's the ability and the confidence within yourself that when you're faced with something, you can be with it fully, do your job expertly, and not lose yourself. You see? You can meet this situation with wisdom and compassion, with clarity. So, but when we're triggered, we can't think that suddenly we throw a switch and that the situation is going to be okay. And what a lot of people think, which also I can understand is completely normal, is that if you activate a quality of mindfulness or if you engage or, yeah evoke a quality of mindfulness or kindness or compassion in the moment that suddenly that which is causing you to feel upset is going to go away, that's, you're, you're just going to see it clearly. But the 
clarity will allow the compassion to hold the truth of it. And the compassion is spacious. This is healing. This is how we heal. And this is how we come back into presence. And when you're with yourself in that way or with someone else who's able to do that, there is a quality of being around them that, that you pick up, that you feel is, you're safe. You can trust them. If it's a doctor, you feel like this doctor is somebody who's listening to you and has your back, you see. So, so <clears throat> being triggered um, is not the time that you begin this practice, but it's one that remains, that, that is specifically requires that you remain open and receptive to the energy of being triggered. This is, this is how the transformation happens. It doesn't happen by putting our head in the sand and pretending that we're not triggered or fighting against the triggering, you see. That way of responding generally moves in two directions. It's a hypo direction or a hyper direction. The hypo direction leads to overwhelm, like... <sighs> Get out of the way. We've got this under control. The emergency room looks like chaos, but and in a way it is emotional chaos. Or a hypo response where people just shut down and they go through the motions, but they shut down their heart as a way of protecting themselves. You shut down a part of yourself. You deny a part of yourself. In either case, you lose yourself. So, here are three steps that you can cultivate. The first is to acknowledge that you're hooked when you're triggered, to acknowledge that you're hooked. The second is to pause and take a breath. And much as most people don't like to hear this, it's to lean right into the energy, to abide in that energy, just temporarily, just to, so that you can experience it fully, so that you know what you're dealing with, that you can taste it, you can touch it, you can smell it, you can make contact with it. How does it feel in your mind? How does it feel in your body? Just get to know it, you see? Just get to know it. What kind of thoughts does it, does it give rise to? Just become very, very familiar with this feeling and with the fullness of that experience. And, and, and feel the momentum of it, but don't allow yourself to be, to be washed away by the momentum. See, So you have a moment where things are challenging you. And instead of turning away from the challenge, avoiding the challenge, you know, you just, rather than get lost in the story of the challenge, you just feel into everything that that challenge brings up in you. You just feel it. You just feel, oh, I've got a tightness in my chest. My stomach is in knots. My throat is constricted. My shoulders are like 
wound up like springs, you see. My mind is racing. I'm feeling like I'm trying to get away from something or I'm trying to overcome something. You just feel into it, you know. But don't be washed away by the momentum of it. And, and that is a process as well. It's a process to recognize it, and then it's a process to be with it. And it calls on us to stay awake and to stay mindful to what's happening when this happens. And this type of clear seeing, this is a type of clear seeing and compassion, and we can learn how to interrupt the negative emotions of these deeply rooted habits, these deeply rooted mental habits, and choose to renounce the, the habit of just going along with them. We can actually make a choice there. So, so understand that a process is going on to be with that process requires clarity, it requires mindfulness, and it requires compassion because it's not easy to be with it. But this is how we learn to interrupt the flow of those habits, and they are deeply rooted habits. You see? So <clears throat> when we do this, when we make this effort, we're actually activating neurons in our brain that are creating new pathways in our brain that would allow us over time and gradually to create a new kind of a default response to being triggered. Rather than being triggered in the old familiar way, which may have these qualities of fight, flight, freeze, that kind of amygdala response, hijack. We're, We're learning to meet our experience and process our experience in a different way through, through this quality of mindfulness and compassion. And we're actually using a different part of our brain for people who are interested in that. So, so pause, lean into it, abide in it, get to know what it is, become very familiar with it, recognize it's a process, and recognize that, that you're learning how to be with it, how to interrupt it in a way. So literally you're swimming against the current, you're swimming upstream rather than being carried along by the current. So the ne- the next thing is, I guess I should say there's four steps. I've got four things here. Don't speak or act when you recognize that, that this is going on. So, <clears throat> so when you're triggered, I'm not going to yell at Bill now because I'm triggered. You see, because we've had this dis- disagreement. <laughs> see, so rather than than like engaging in in that which has triggered me, you see, I I 
I'm going to try to be momentarily, just momentarily, with my own energy of <clears throat> whatever it is I'm feeling because of the disagreement that Bill and I might have had. I'm going to try to be with the ebb and flow of that energy. You see? The ebb and flow of that energy is your own life experience. This is your experience. So, so don't reject the energy. That's what we do. We reject the, that energy. We, we reject that moment. Instead, get to know it. I, I, I have embraced it here, but I think that's unrealistic. I don't know that maybe some people can embrace it. But just recognize that this energy is happening. And stop missing it. Stop missing it because that's this quality of confusion and, and um, uh, ignorance. So when we would default in the old familiar way to that which triggers, we're abandoning abandoning ourselves at this level of what's going on within us. Does this make sense? Can you, do you get it? I want to be sure you get it because this is really, uh, uh, this is important and um, it's not so easy to communicate or maybe it's not just me that it's, I'm thinking it's not so easy to communicate. <laughs> but it is subtle and it is nuanced. But when you get it once, then you get the flavor of it and you know what it's all about. And then all you have to do is relax and move on. Just go on. Don't make a big deal out of it. You were triggered. This is what it's like to be triggered. Now I know what it's like to be triggered. Now I've investigated what that's like for me, how I re- how I defaulted that time and time again. You do this in whatever way you do. Now I've seen the story. Now I've seen the star of the story, etc., etc., etc. And then just don't make a, a, a big deal about it. You see? Just drop it. And it's a practice. It's not an endurance test. So... If you push past what's possible for you, if you don't recognize that you have boundaries and limitations of your own, if you push past that, you'll only derail yourself. See? If you find that you're triggered and um, you're, you're trying, what, what did that guy say in that talk? See? Um, sometimes you're just triggered. You see? So don't push past what's really possible. Because if you do, you will go over the edge and then you'll think that, well, I don't know what you'll think, but it's likely that, that the next thought is that this doesn't work. Why should I bother? And especially since he's telling me to look at what is uncomfortable for me. So it's really important to recognize that we all have limitations and we all, and those limitations 
our boundaries and that we need to respect those boundaries. So I want to say that when we're doing this kind of work on ourselves or with ourselves, we should always, it's a, it's a rule of thumb, you should always start where it's easiest. You should start with bite-sized moments of being with that place that feels raw. If you're really triggered by something big and then you try to do this, it might be just a little bit overwhelming. You see, And, it's, and you'll just default to your old habit of being overwhelmed or shutting down. So the biggest challenge is to recognize and embrace the restless energy. To just recognize that it's this energy and you're responding to this energy. And to learn to stay with it rather than automatically bolting away from it or abandoning the experience or abandoning yourself in this experience. This is the biggest challenge. So I want to suggest that you start where it's easiest with small bite-sized bouts of being with the places where you get hooked. So if you can catch yourself there with small things that trigger or hook you, then you can cultivate the ability to be with bigger things that overwhelm us. So it's not the wisest thing to do to wait until you're in a major catastrophe or crisis to start to work with this. Um, And the example that I have is when you're on your deathbed, it's not the time to start thinking you're going to discipline the mind and find a calm and peaceful heart, you know, if you've never practiced this. So let's practice this while we have the time and the ability and the community that's that's supportive and the conditions in which we feel safe enough to explore these things. And that's the final thing that I, I, I want to say uh, is none of this is possible if you don't feel safe. You see? So it's really important to create a container for yourself that allows you to feel safe as you explore these kinds of things. So the three steps are Acknowledge that you're hooked. Pause. Take a few breaths. You see? Hooked. (sighs) Okay. Relax and move on. Don't make a big deal out of it. I could have said that in the beginning and then I wouldn't (laughs) have had to talk for this whole hour. So that's it. So... um, we have a minute or so left if anybody has a question or a comment. Please. <laughs> oh, um, thank you. Just a comment. Um, um, it reminded me of the book um, written by Thich Nhat Hanh called Fear. 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 Mm-hmm. Love that book. And he, um, uh, you almost went to embracing 
to the, what? to embracing mm-hmm. the um, story and feelings. Mm. And in that book, he talks about um, holding in your arms the story and the fear and sitting with it and paying attention to it and loving it because it's part of me. Mm-hmm. And um, after a while of sitting with it and loving it and paying attention to it, it usually um, softens. And, and we're able to move forward together. So yeah. instead of trying to kill it, you know, or or something, um, it's part of me. So I just um, wait for it to let me go a little bit and then uh, move forward. And I found that um, useful. It's very useful. It's a beautiful and, and uh, it's a different way of communicating. That's He's very heartful. It's a very heartful way of communicating. And, and other people, like myself, are a little bit more heady <laughs> or something. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn how to bring a balance of heart and head together. But this whole idea of softening around it, this is another way of meeting it. This softening is compassion. Compassion will allow you to be with something that you're afraid of with a quality of instead of like tightening up against it, you can soften with it and hold it and create spaciousness. It's, and the experience of that is just the way that you described. It's beautiful. So there are many, many roads to Rome and... Um, People have to find their own way in, but but the problems that we're dealing with are are common problems. Maybe the way of dealing with them is different, but the problems are are shared. And everybody knows what it's like to be triggered, and everybody knows what it's like to um, you know feel present and calm and not lose themselves. And we can all do this if we're just willing to to be kind to ourselves. So thank you for sharing that. I love Thich Nhat Hanh. Who doesn't? All right, you get the last question. Um, just a, maybe more of a statement yesterday on uh, NPR. They had a, a really wonderful interview with a gentleman. Hold it who was in Somalia and was and had escaped being killed he by had pirates. Uh, he was in Somalia. Yes. And he escaped from being killed by the pirates that had kidnapped him. Um, but he said that what he did was, with his captors, he realized he had all this hate directed towards them, and he decided instead to initiate loving-kindness mm. meditations and then he also did yoga, and his captors joined him when he was doing yoga. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that must have been, you know, the beginning of really how his release happened, because he said that once he could hold within his heart not the hatred towards his captors, but the loving kindness, he could at least feel safe again within himself. Safe, again. safe mm-hmm. within himself while his mother, she gathered up a million and a half dollars in ransom money for him. Right. When they had been asking for $12 million. 
Um, but I, as a child, had been in Somalia. I had also been attacked. Uh, I was only nine. And it took me a long time to get over that time. Um, and I was listening to this yesterday, and I realized what happened for me was I didn't go into my trigger of, you know, that happened to me too. But I did realize that as a child, I got that these were poor people, and they needed my forgiveness. And they needed? My forgiveness. Mm. And I was only nine. Mm. But it took me a long time to get that. I don't know how I got it. I don't know where I got it from. Mm. But I do know that hearing him say that and realizing that we can be in many situations, Mm. but if we can remember this part, it can truly set us free into Mm. a whole other dimension. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. It's been a pleasure to be here with you these last two weeks and um, I wish you a beautiful day and a beautiful week and I guess will Andrea be back next week do you know I'm not going to be here next week I don't know who's (laughs) going to be here next week but it's nice to be with this group yeah I feel like we're old friends at this point so Thank you very much.